Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, a Muppet movie podcast brought to you by ToughPigs.com. It's the podcast where we watch The Muppets Take Manhattan two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Anthony Strand. And I'm your other host, Ryan Rowe. And joining us today, we have a return guest from last week. Always a thrill. Guest, remind us who you are. Hi, I'm still Tansy Ryan Roberts. Wonderful. Glad to hear it. And uh, Tansy is joining us today for minutes 51 and 52 of The Muppets Take Manhattan. In these minutes, Kermit and Piggy make up and go for a carriage ride. So we open with Kermit and Piggy yelling, kind of <laughs> alternating, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> Which I always it's beautiful. So funny. Yeah, it is. Well, and there's just something about the like alternating mouths opening and closing too. Like yeah. the, just the visual the, of the Muppets. Yeah. Yeah. That's well, especially Kermit has that like, 90 degree angle mouth when it's open you yeah. know it's 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 there's something so just so this, pure about it this was a very funny place to begin a clip <laughs> yeah, it really was. screaming at each other yeah we just jump right in and then of course gregory hines urges them to calm down he kind of does the like lowering his hands slowly motion to get which them to is, calm is actually sort of it, it, it synchronizes with kermit and piggy panting because they're both going <laughs> yeah and then he, like, he's sort of <laughs> His hands are moving in sync with them. Their bodies moving right. as they pant from from exhaustion. You're right. It, it's like I, I mean, I'm sure it was choreographed, but it it kind of feels like choreography. Yeah. Well, which again, is, which is Gregory Hines dancer. Yeah, yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, and even when he's just lowering it, like moving his hands up and down, he moves like a dancer. It's yeah. kind of incredible. Um, and and speaking of of Gregory Hines and his love of movement, then uh, once the two have calmed down, he says, "Keep the skates." Keep the skates. I never use them anyway. I just like to run around in shorts. <laughs> Glorious closing line. So Glorious closing good. line. And then he turns around and he runs back again in that direct line. The he same runs, direct line he arrived exactly in. the way that he came in. It's so good. So he basically is maximizing his screen time for a very short appearance. Absolutely. But he's on camera for the longest possible amount of time. Which he also kind of runs his thumbs like along his waistband before he turns yeah, around, he, which is just this like, kind of yeah. like, yeah, here I go. Well, yeah. he's just, he just, he loves the shorts, you he know? Does. Yeah. Yeah. He's rocking the outfit. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so anyways, that's, that's, that's a wrap on Gregory Hines. Unfortunately, what a joy that's to great. see him. Oh, just such a good appearance. Like, and, mm-hmm. and as I said, you know, making the most of a short scene, highly yeah. memorable. For sure, like like I said, it's it's made me a fan of his for thirty years. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so many, so many children of so many generations will know who he is, largely because of this. Because of this movie, you know? yeah. Um, so then, having having made up with Piggy, Kermit notices the carriage rides and hails a driver real quick. Um, Although, so, have they really made up? It sure seems. I mean, I guess so. Like next time we see them, they are made up. It's true. Certainly. So they've they've it's both. Right. Express to each other that the reason they're so uh, so emotional, I guess, is that they care about each other. But they're st- they've still just been yelling at each other. Although I guess in Kermit and Piggy's sort of dysfunctional relationship, that counts as making up, right? Well, yeah. well, and of course they're about to go for a ride around the park, right? So yeah. this is like a, a romantic gesture on Kermit's part to sort of smooth things right. over. But, but I was going to say, in the Great Muppet Caper, they also yell at each other. And then go for a romantic bike ride in the park. That's true, yeah. Like, 
both so of it's these like a stage of their relationship. Yeah, there's exactly. Like, like not together. There's fighting, and then there's on a date, and that is the progression. <laughs> and then it just exactly. it just cycles around. Yeah, it's yeah. not the healthiest relationship. No. Yeah. Can well, I just say about this transition? Because like please. they they're looking at each other. He calls the cab, and then it cuts to them in the cab. It is not established whether or not she is still wearing the skates, and if so, whether they are untied <laughs> for the entire <laughs> rest of the scene. And no, I just I, want you to keep that in mind we, as we watch the rest of the scene. I never thought because about it. You're, you're absolutely really, right. He told her to keep the skates. He never got to the point of taking them off her feet. I assume they're still on her feet. So right. we, well, don't, but, think, we don't see her feet when she's in the carriage. No, no. No, we don't. Think, sitting there. What, no. Do we, I feel like we oh, might wait. later, after it comes out of the fantasy sequence, like when she's laying on Kermit's lap, do we oh, see her? Maybe feet that's out of my oh, boundaries. Oh, so. I just at, at the thirty second, no, sorry, thirty seven second mark of this clip, there is as the the carriage goes by that pond, you do catch a brief glimpse of Piggy's feet, and she's wearing the skates. I never noticed that before. She's still wearing oh the skates. Wow. That is amazing. On yeah, I love that. That is yeah. great. So she keeps them forever. That's important to I know. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's uh, using them to skate around Pete's when she becomes a waitress later. Yeah. But yeah. Most importantly, they it's did not so try to film a scene in which she transitioned from standing on grass to being in a carriage while wearing yeah. skates. We didn't right. need to see that. Right. It would have it, it would have had to be like a 10-minute set piece. That would have been really <laughs> funny, but it would have interrupted the flow. Yeah. 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 But um, yeah, I, I but, just have you guys ever taken a horse-drawn carriage ride anywhere? I have, uh, not in Central Park because I've never been to New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they actually have them in. Uh, they, they actually do have them here in Hobart, where I live in Tasmania. Hmm. Uh, but I've never ridden one locally. But they do have them in City of Melbourne, and yeah, we we've I've 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 ridden in one with. I think when my kids were small, we we went on a ride with, and it was. You know, especially I think my youngest was very small at the time, was kind of terrified the whole time. But it yeah. was, you know, it's a nice way to see a city. It's seen as a touristy thing to do. Well, It is a very indulgent touristy thing and it's, you know. Yeah, and I know it's these, the ones in Central Park are not without controversy because they have to, like, take the, the horses out of the park and they're, you know, where the, all the traffic is and the noise and the pollution. So, um they they do still exist. I know when the current mayor, uh, Bill de Blasio, was campaigning, he talked about trying to to do away with them, but that was not a popular, um, uh, not a popular position, I guess. So they are still around. I've never done one myself. I have uh, ridden in a pedicab pedaled by a human, which is I oh. guess not quite the same. But <laughs> I have been on a horse drawn hayride before. Mm, yeah, I think like I've horse- done that. Yeah, yeah. So the, the whole. The whole horse and carriage thing, particularly in in Central Park, it is a romantic trope, right? It's a you know, it's a it's it's a cheesy date option. It's you know, that's how it's framed as a thing that you do as a couple. And right, yeah, you do see families with like little kids doing it, but yeah, it's mostly couples. Right. Well, um, which which so which does bring us to who we're about to see, who I don't believe are a couple, but they're certainly having Uh a nice. Um, as Kermit and Piggy are enjoying their ride, another carriage goes by with Statler and Waldorf in it. It is beautiful. I love the fact that they instantly review Kermit and Piggy's relationship. <laughs> like right. it's well, just so it's it's a literal drive-by. They right. go well, past, well, they well, see that what... they're getting romantic, they 
they make fun of them. And then even after they're off camera, they're like yelling stuff at them. <laughs> That's my <laughs> favorite part. They, hey, they, do this, hubba, yeah, hubba. they do this joke and then they're woo lovey-dovey. Yeah. Well, what 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 I love is the idea that this is what they're doing is just insulting everyone in every carriage as they pass. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like that's, like that's their what afternoon. The ride is. Yeah, exactly. Do yeah. you um, think they recognize like is this sort of one of the more meta moments of this movie? Because as we've discussed, this is a movie where they a Muppet movie where they don't acknowledge they're they're in a movie. So is this like Statler and Waldorf, the characters? recognizing Kermit and Piggy, the characters that they know from the other Muppet movies on the Muppet show? I, I, I don't think so because of what their specific dialogue is, right? Okay. Statler says, hey, look, Waldorf, it's a frog and a pig. Not not it's the frog and right. the pig. Oh, right. It's, yeah. Well, so that's interesting. know each other. Right. Which so- is interesting because like these characters were in theater at university and I refuse to believe that uh, Statler and Waldorf were not there reviewing them at the time. Right, right. <laughs> That's true. Although like we as we talked about earlier, this is the second time we've seen Statler and Waldorf in the movie. Right. And the yeah. first time they didn't say anything. They're just like they have that cameo yeah. on a park bench sunbathing the, with yeah. their um, it's interesting isn't it like talking about the the meta aspect as soon as you take the Muppets away from their original place of concept of running the Muppet show on TV uh, whenever they bring in Sattler and Waldorf it's finding ways for those characters to be there and kind of be on brand even out of the original context and I just love this idea of them riding around in a carriage reviewing because (laughs) that's what they do like booing people commentating on their lives pointing at things and laughing like it's joyous i choose to believe they're still there yeah it's sort of the challenge with a lot of these supporting muppet characters outside the muppet show where it's like how do they work in statler and waldorf how do they work in the swedish chef and you know and so on um but yeah in the in the march 7th 1983 draft the joke is different statler says waldorf look the frog and the pig waldorf says i guess this must be the romantic part and they look at each other and they both go, yuck, which is not oh, as funny. Yeah. No, it's not. It is, and it also acknowledges that they know who they are. Yeah, they well, recognize and, the frog and the pig. And and it also acknowledges that they're in a movie, which, as we've talked about, this is the only one where they never actually do that. Yeah. This is the only Muppet movie that at no point acknowledges that it's a movie. Yeah. So um, I guess that's why they changed that. So that yeah. So they, but, but that makes me even sure that that was a conscious decision. To, it seems to not like break it. Football, you yeah. know, yeah, um, that feels like Frank Oz's attempt to make this more grounded than the others. Less yeah, wacky. This is the gritty one. It is <laughs> right? yeah. the gritty, realistic one. Yeah, it's it's weird how true that is. You know, because that's why there's like so many rats in this movie. <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Um. But so, anyways, then Statler and Waldorf, they they ride away in their carriage yelling woohoo lovey-dovey hubba hubba <laughs> at Kermit and Piggy. Um, before we move on, I want to make sure that we do mention the dr- carriage driver for Kermit and Piggy is Jim Henson. Yeah. Oh. Um, I, yeah, I he, wasn't sure because, yeah, I could notice the top hat and stuff, but I didn't see close enough. Right. He never to... gets a close-up. Um, and, uh. and we talked a few episodes ago about how the, the helpful women aren't Kathy Mullen and Karen Prell, <laughs> um, which people sometimes think they are. Like, yeah. that's what IMDb claims. But this one really is Jim Henson. And see, that's better in itself because it's like, I'm sorry, but like if he's if he's on the if he's driving the carriage, then who's being Kermit? Right. <laughs> How Pretty many hands did this man have? 
Right. Although, although I, I do kind of wonder if, and he's, he's not in the shot of Kermit and Piggy. Um, when we see Kermit and Piggy close up now, when Piggy apologizes for yelling, you know, she says she didn't mean it when she's, when she said it would have been better if they never met all that stuff. She talks for about 25 seconds in a row before Kermit says anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's so, just kind of, it doesn't like, require him to contribute. Like, looking right. off to the side and then very slowly looks at her. So I do yeah. kind of wonder if if that's partially because Jim was driving, you know, re- driving the carriage and someone else was performing Kermit. So, so they didn't want to give him a lot to say or something. I, I don't know. Although this is like, we see them sitting on the seat of the carriage, right? So it probably wasn't filmed while the carriage was actually. Pro- yeah, although, I suppose or, not. or is it moving? I mean, it might have been just like a rig on wheels with a. You know, a place for them yeah, to stick it their looks arms very, up it's very symmetrical, isn't it? It looks like a little set and a set piece. And the fact that you the film the camera is yeah, presumably that part is not actually in a carriage. Yeah. Right. Actually it's I'm, interesting. I'm sure. The one the one with Statler and Waldorf, we just see them from like the shoulder up. So that's probably yeah. just a regular carriage and the, the puppeteers are just kind of hunched on the bottom sticking their arms up but then yeah the one with kermit and piggy we do see this this closer shot head-on of the two of them so yeah i bet that was built oh although yeah it is moving so yeah it was probably just being pulled by a yeah by a little golf cart or something some some sort of rig yeah yeah um but but anyways how however they are being carried piggy says to kermit like i wish we'd met sooner wouldn't it have been wonderful if we'd known each other when we were little? Yeah. And See, in the last episode, we talked about Piggy like doing her brand, uh, you know, dro- dropping brand names. In this one, she's clearly pitching the prequel. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. She's never one to shy away from the next opportunity. That's right, funny. Piggy's right. like, Kermit, I got a great idea for a Saturday morning cartoon. Well, and and, yeah. and she she basically does say it. She says, "Imagine little Kermie and little Piggy," yeah. and like it could basically say, you know, coming this fall to CBS yeah. Saturday morning. Yeah. She right? says, like yeah. little Kermie, little Piggy, little Piggy, right? Yeah. Which is adorable because it it sounds like because obviously then we're going to dissolve into her fantasy momentarily. Yeah. Yes. But the way she says it, it almost sounds like she's falling asleep. <laughs> yeah, that's and, true. you know. She is, she's even boring herself. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I do love a fantasy sequence. And of course, as we've always seen, Miss Piggy has a more heightened sense of fantasy than any other character, I think. Right. Well, well I mean, all- maybe Fozzie, but no, like her, her, her fantasy is always very well realized, very glamorous, or very kind of specific. She's got, she, she, she's very good at, at yeah, dissolving into other scenes. Right. Well, it's something that I never thought about as a kid is that all three of these movies have a song number that is Piggy's fantasy sequence. I had never noticed that, Anthony, until you pointed it out a few years ago. The Muppet movie has Never Before, Never Again, when she first sees Yeah. And then Great Muppet Caper has the song Piggy's Fantasy, where she, you know, does the water ballet and happiness, Miss Piggy, and all that. And then this one has has this song, where she imagines them as babies. And it's like... Then, then that goes away, but it comes back in Muppets Most Wanted when she does something so right, yeah, and like imagines her and Kermit having a family and growing old. Don't they do something in Treasure Island? I have a feeling that there's like a 
flashback song or something. Well, there's, I mean, there's, there's love lettuce here where they're hanging upside yeah. down together. Do it, but then it, yeah. yeah but, but, but it's, it's intercut with the shots of the pirates finding the treasure. Ah, uh, yeah. But you know, she, she does have this strong sense of fantasy and she's always been of all of them. Like they're all, they're all performers, uh, but she's always been the one with the biggest dreams in a lot of ways. And because everybody else's dreams are often about like, you know, maybe being famous or putting on a show and doing things together, but she's always got this vision of herself that's more glamorous or more successful or more, you know, the the celebrity self. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this this is interesting because it's more of the romantic fantasy, but also the yeah, the the, the kid thing, which is a little like because the more you think about it, the more kind of weird it is as a romantic. <laughs> you know, it's like. It's, it's yeah. very strange. Well, and and honestly, that would carry over into the original version of the cartoon, where yeah. if, if you recall, Pig, the line about Piggy in the theme song is, um, Piggy says, "I like romance." Yes, in the original version, her of the defining theme. characteristic. Yeah, she's a girl. But yeah, also, she is because she's a girl, right? When, and yeah. and that was a good change, I think, in the new version, where it's Kermit likes adventure. Miss Piggy is a star. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, that so, is better. So there's no like toddlers are in love with each other, you know. <laughs> yeah, or one toddler is trying to convince the other toddler to have a romantic relationship that he's just not equipped for, which is right, you know right. uncomfortable. Well, and, and then they also do that thing on that show where Gonzo's hitting on Piggy all the time. Like, yeah, that's weird. Here's here's the thing. I I I always say people who think the old Muppet Babies is better than the new one haven't seen have the not new one. rewatched it. Yeah, yeah. And, and also haven't watched the old one in 30 I, years. I think like, a lot of yeah. people who saw more Muppet Babies than Muppet Show growing up ha- sort of have the impression that that's an ongoing thing of Gonzo having a crush on Miss Piggy, which he kind of did in the first season of the Muppet Show, but it's really not part of their dynamic other than right. on Muppet Babies. Yeah, right. and my memories of Muppet Babies are very strong, but also vague because I haven't rewatched them since I was a kid. Obviously, as with many people, don't have any really access to the old Muppet Babies. Yeah, right, right. Um, but I have very strong nostalgia for them. And I bought my kids a bunch. Of, whenever I would find these old Muppet books for my kids, I would I would grab them. And there was one picture book in particular I used to read to my kids. Uh, which is called Animal Go Bye Bye. Oh, we have it's that a one. picture book. Yeah, it's a great picture. It was one of our favorites. We read it over and over. A baby animal, and actually, that's a dream sequence one too because it's it's all about basically Kermit trying to convince Animal to go to bed because Kermit's a responsible one, uh-huh. and it goes into these sort of dream sequences uh, as Animal, bigger and better, keeps trying to escape the consequences of going to bed and it's it's glorious but for my kids that was actually their only exposure to muppet babies because you know we couldn't access the old show yeah like we have we have two vhs tapes of the old show and our only vcr is downstairs so my daughter who's in kindergarten now uh she she's occasionally will pull them out but for a long time it was Muppet Babies was the regular show we'd watch upstairs, and then the downstairs Muppet Babies was the the, <laughs> the downstairs Muppet Babies. Yeah. yeah. No, unfortunately, my kids were definitely too old by the time the new Muppet Babies came out. Sure. Uh, yeah. we, we 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 did give it a go, but it was just it was just too sweet. It was yeah. very sweet, but it was just like no, my kids are too. My youngest is, I mean, she's eleven now. I think she was nine when we came across it, or ten. Yeah, sure. And yeah, she's just too cynical now. Yeah, my, uh, my, just kids not are, 
my, my kids are two and six. Oh, see, that's so, the perfect age for so the little perfect. Muppet my, babies. Yeah. My, my, my two and a half year old. I mean, any like yeah. Summer Penguin is the new character on the show. Yeah. And she has this song where she sings about being a detective called I'm on the case. And every time it comes on, Miles is like, on the case, on the case. <laughs> like, he's so excited. Do you have that's any so Summer cute. Penguin merchandise? Uh, no, we actually, we don't have Muppet Babies action figure. We have, we have old Muppet Babies toys. Yeah. Like from, from Happy Meals in 1989. Oh, everybody has those McDonald's Happy Meals. Yeah, toys, right, yeah. right. Yeah. So I love the idea that everybody has those, by the way. Every right? Muppet fan. Like it's <laughs> one of those things like, like the Great Muppet Caper glasses. Those yeah, and the Muppet them, Babies yeah. Happy Meal toys and the Fraggle Rock Happy Meal toys where they're, the Fraggles are all driving vegetables. <laughs> those are the things that are in every muppet fans collection it's true uh, it's true um at least here in the u.s I, i'm sure you didn't get any well of yeah it might be Australia. different yeah. no we, we have had muppet and uh merch over the years but no probably not those specific ones though yeah. i may be wrong there may be people out there who have access to those but where i live we didn't even have like mcdonald's until i was a teenager so okay. uh <laughs> you still, you still but, out on the fraggle vegetable cars a, a true uh, loss it does sound does sound good. Yeah, we only we only get a little bit of the introduction of the song, but we get a little um glimpse of this baby Muppet world. And it is so familiar to me. Like when they made the and I think when I don't remember what I watched first, the Muppet Babies cartoon or this. And it may be that I it's very likely that I watched the cartoon before I saw this, because I think this is one that I probably Yeah. I don't remember the order of watching any Muppet stuff. It's all a haze of childhood to me, really. Um, but, yeah, I I think I was quite old when I realised that this sequence existed before the cartoon right? and is probably like a backdoor pilot for the cartoon. But it's so there are so many elements in this sequence that are carried directly over to the cartoon, like just things like the the building blocks and the... Kermit riding the little horsey thing, and it's just all so familiar to me. It just, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it's remarkable how much this set looks like the nursery that was on the cartoon. Like it just feels yeah. like the same space. Yeah, for sure. And uh, like we, Ryan and I will have plenty of time to talk about the song next week. But do, do you have any thoughts about the song itself before we before uh, we close, Tansy? I'm weirdly in love with this song. I don't know why, but it's one of those that will earworm me to death. And I was actually a little bit devastated that the scene cut out before my personal favorite line from the song which is the weird juxtaposition of just to like spoil you all for next week the weird juxtaposition of gonna climb the Matterhorn but only until my children are born which I think <laughs> sums up the, the the glorious mess that is Miss Piggy <laughs> but this sense of like she has all the dreams which I think is kind of a beautiful thing about her as a character. Like she has all the ambitions. She wants mm-hmm. all the careers, but she also wants to be like of the wife and mother and that sort of thing. Like she she wants everything. She, yeah, she wants it all, yeah. She's going to be a good yeah. mommy too. Yeah, she's going to be a good <laughs> mommy too. But um, Yeah, but just that, the, the ambition, the scope of all her dreams, but also the fact this is a, it's a fantasy sequence of her as a child thinking about what she's going to do as a grown-up. It's so, <laughs> it's just so Miss Piggy and it's so on brand. And it is seen huh. as, it's presented as a love song, but it's mostly about her, which I love. 
Yeah, it's well, true, and, you know, yeah. I hadn't thought about that aspect of it where it's it's a grown up piggy imagining herself as a baby imagining the things that she's going to do when she's a grown-up. Yeah, that's yeah. really funny. I had not thought about that. <laughs> I mean, that. what is this, an episode of How I Met Your Mother? It's just so... <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it, it is. But it's but it is, it's very cool. And I love just that, I said, it, it hits me in the nostalgia, just the sign of that nursery and yeah. them as kids yeah. and this piggy scene. And that Rolf comes in, Rolf comes in with this, this, uh, you know, banging piano just to lift the song, and it's just, yeah, it is. It's a great sequence, and I am very, very fond of it. Yeah, and awesome. actually, I have a note about that. Uh, so we do hear Ralph play this glissando to kind of uh, after Piggy sings the slow opening part, and then he plays the the glissando to go into the rocking part of the song. Uh, Last summer, Johannes and I from Tough Pigs interviewed Chris Surf, who is primarily a Sesame Street songwriter. Um, but he noted that among the the sort of only handful of times that he worked with these Muppet characters was when Frank Oz asked him to play the glissandos in this song because they needed somebody, like a, a talented piano player, who could do that sort of like <laughs> up the piano, like really hard. Oh, and that's fast. cool. Yeah, so... Uh, he thought that he might have been credited in the credit uh, the credits as Glisses by Chris Surf. I don't know if that credit exists in the soundtrack <laughs> liner notes or anywhere, but um, sadly, he's only just in the special thanks credits of at the end of this movie. But uh, the Glisses are by that, Chris Surf. That's awesome. And it's so cool, yeah. but it's a little bit heartbreaking that you're suggesting that Ralph doesn't do his own piano playing. <laughs> well, of course he does, but, you know. <laughs> No, that that's that's great. It is it is a very powerful moment, and that is the one of the things I do enjoy about the Muppet Babies. I think actually did centered Ralph in a way that he never really gets centered in any of the the main Muppet production well, stories. I, like I, I think that was a unfortunate side effect of him being Jim Henson. Also, that yeah. like, I guess that makes it, sense. It was hard for Kermit and him to interact much on on the TV show. You know. But also, but, he's a he's a side he's like definitely a side and support character. He's usually too cool to be in the main story, but you know he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't ever really get to be a protagonist. He's but he's yeah he's like a support of a support. But no, he, there is that sense I, I remember very strongly from Muppet Babies that he's definitely an equal one of the team and gets his own adventures, which is right. nice. Yeah. He gets side quests. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It would be nice to see him. Yeah, he was definitely a minor character on the Muppets uh, ABC sitcom. It would be nice to see him get a little bit of a, even in one of those uh, like YouTube videos that they've done, just to get a spotlight. Well, yeah, considering he's the one that does like he's the music guy, you'd think there would be a lot of right. opportunities for that. Yeah, they never. Really yeah. That. yeah, yeah. Just wondering how much of that as well is the whole thing of the characters that were originated as as Jim Henson characters, and people always just really think about Kermit, like he gets all the attention. Yeah. Yeah, the others are kind of an integral part of that too. Right. And well, and I mean, Ralph, we'll see in the 90s, he hardly said a word after yeah. Jim Henson died. But uh, Brad didn't really start playing him until, I mean, what's his first big speaking part? It's probably like uh, Muppet, the Muppet, behind the scenes uh, of the Weezer video. <laughs> behind the scenes of the Weezer video. Yeah, it's like 2002. But then, yeah, yeah even then, he still didn't say much until a few years later. Yeah. Yeah. So he, I think he says, there's an episode of Muppets Tonight, the Garth Brooks episode. He says, like, yeah, or he's, something. Yeah, he says, right oh, yeah, which was so exciting oh, yeah. to us at the time. It's like, oh, right. Ralph talked. 
It's like Rob is back, Bill Beretta. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Um, but anyways, we're, we're we're getting a little too deep into the weeds, I think. So, Tansy, any final thoughts before we close? Um no, no, I'm just it yeah, no, it just just all about the Muppet babies at this point. This is a lovely Miss Piggy segment. I really like how much it kind of showcases her. And I think it's very um it's very telling of her relationship with Kermit. Like I think you can tell a lot from their relationship from this two-minute sequence, from the screaming to the date where she's mostly talking about herself (laughs) to the fantasy dream sequence because she's always so solidly set on Kermit as her her other half, her partner, her romantic partner. Like she's never really seriously looking for anybody other than Kermit. But also she doesn't really require him to do that much other than like show up and be on her arm. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. Um, yeah. Like yeah. she she doesn't want to not have Kermit. Right. But also you get the impression that if he did have other things to do, he could just leave a cardboard cut out of himself and go <laughs> off and do yeah. his, get his work done. And maybe that's what led to the divorce. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I do love what they did with their relationships in the, in the um, is it? No, it's, it's not the Muppets tonight. The Muppets, like the one that's like the office, you know, the one. Yeah, that's the, yeah, yeah, so the one. yeah, that I really loved that way of, of presenting the idea of them as exes who, you know, keep, you know, ultimately nobody else is really in the picture no matter how hard they try, you know, they're always drawn back to each other. I was really sad that show didn't get a second season just because I thought what they were doing with their relationship. And it's so, it just makes sense looking at these earlier ones that obviously tell different versions of the same relationship. This, ah, look, this movie messed me up a bit as a kid. I remember because, you know, watching them all in various orders, but I think I tried too hard to try and figure out where this fit in the chronology of things. And of course it doesn't. It's a, story um it's like where does this fit in the context of the muppet show i'm confused how many times have they even got married and i know my my brain exploded a bit trying to fit this in with all the other muppet timelines because they never all quite quite fit together no there's there's no Um, unified muppet theory But as a child, I tried to make sense of it all because that's the kind of brain I have. And, sure. yeah, this was more stressful than Doctor Who in trying to, <laughs> like, fit all the pieces together uh, emotionally. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's yeah, an odd. I have an odd relationship with this film because I always think of it as being the one that I'm less fond of, of all the classic Moppets movies, unless I'm actually watching it, in which case I'm completely in love with it and I remember how great it is. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, that yeah. that actually works as a segue to our last question <laughs> I want to ask you is, do you remember the first time you saw it? And I, I get sort of answered, where would you rank it among the Muppet movies? Uh, see, it's tricky. I don't remember when I first saw it. I think it's, of all of them, it's probably the one that I saw the most of when I was younger, which may be why in my head it's less cool than, like, The Great Muppet Caper because that was one that I didn't get to see until later and so it has that slightly you know harder to get quality about it all but whenever I watch it I love there's so much in this that I love um for a long time I thought this was the second movie and the great Muppet Caper was the third movie and I don't know why but in my head it was to the point where even now I have to stop and remind myself that's not the order that they go in yeah I don't know I don't know I think ranking Muppet products is something that would 
take a lot more consideration and some kind of map and I would have to get back to you on that. But as I said, it's one that I always, I'm like, oh, this one. And then when I watch it, I love every second of it. So I don't know what I'm even thinking. It's, it's so good. It's got so many good elements about it. I like that it's about show business because the Muppet ones that are about show business are the best ones. I like, I like all the versions of the characters. I love all the stuff with the cafe and the rats. It's, it's, it's a glorious one. And as I said before, it, it actually did shape. It was one, probably one of the earlier films in which I saw New York depicted. Hmm. So it's actually really quite strongly, you know, shaped uh, what what that city like is like for me uh, as somebody who has never visited it and has seen lots of different versions of that city and lots of different pop culture. Yeah, but this was sure. a very early one, so I think I must have watched it. Definitely at some point in the 80s, I must have watched it in my childhood, probably before a lot of other either Muppet things or just things generally. Yeah, I'm very fond of it. Great. Well, yeah, we are too. Um, Ryan, Ryan, I'm sorry, I didn't ask you. Did you have any other? Well, I do. Yeah, actually, uh, there's a, a very a major difference in the March 7th, 1983 draft, which is that there are no Muppet babies. Um, it's, oh. it, yeah, it is a different fantasy sequence. And in fact, it's very interesting. All the, uh, the stuff you were saying earlier, Tansy about like what Miss Piggy wants and dreams about and what she thinks about. So it's a montage. Um, here are the things that happen in the montage in this <laughs> draft of the screenplay. Uh, so it it's it says uh first Miss Piggy starts singing before it, it dissolves into her her dream and then uh first is uh Piggy and Kermit's wedding and then it's their wedding night and we see Piggy carrying Kermit into a room containing a heart-shaped bed. Saucy. Oh, yeah. Wow, that is the complete opposite of <laughs> let's I, imagine when we were toddlers and completely innocent. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think it says something like the ro- rose petals everywhere or something like that. And then uh we see Piggy in a living room uh running a vacuum cleaner while pregnant and looking radiant. Uh wow. then a hospital room where Kermit is handing out cigars and Piggy is holding two little baby frogs. With ping pong ball eyes, it specifies. <laughs> so she's just given birth somehow to frogs. Uh, then yeah. the uh, the baby's room where Kermit is smoking a pipe, and he and Piggy are watching <laughs> lovingly as the babies play with Sesame Street toys. That's a nice touch. And Piggy is pregnant again. Then whoa, an- <laughs> yeah. Then an- another hospital room. Where Piggy is holding three baby pigs with blonde hair and long eyelashes. Oh, so this is like what we saw in, uh, you know, obviously in the future in A Christmas Carol, where you know the boys are frogs yeah. and the girls are pigs. That's yeah, that idea works. came back later yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah wow. Then there's there's a shot where like she's stepping out of a limousine and Kermit is carrying the kids at like a red carpet event or something, and then. Finally, more yeah. So she's still going to be a glamorous star while having all these these children with Kermit. And then finally, more shots of the whole family. Uh, they're standing in front of a white mansion with a Rolls Royce, and the the stage directions say, "Miss Piggy is as beautiful and serene as ever, and she stands there radiantly with an hourglass figure." <laughs> <laughs> well, at least she's not pregnant again. Right. <laughs> Man, I am. Wow. I am. 
I am obsessed with this now. Like <laughs> that's so interesting, I, and it's interesting how domestic it is. Like so many, especially of the the first shots you see, it's all about the marriage and the right. relationship and the children and the family, and then you get a little bit of career stuff at the end. Was it the same song? Uh, or does it not say? No, I don't think it would have been. It, yeah, it just no. says something about like it. It should be a big romantic song, and it should reach a you know like reach a climax at the end yeah. as we see the yes. But I don't think it would have been the same song. It well, is I, so interesting too. Thinking, sorry, just thinking of the the whole Disney uh, and the musicals and the idea of the "I want" song, like the song that's outlining you know what you want from life or from potentially <laughs> this movie. Uh, that's so interesting. Yeah. And also, yeah. you know, we've seen Piggy dream about her wedding to Kermit before in the, the Muppet movie in that fantasy sequence, but this is sort of taking it several steps further with all the kids well, and everything. It's well, really and- specific. And it's also pitching a different show, which is a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, it could be. <laughs> well, and, it, and it, this will come back kind of in Muppets Most Wanted. Where right. we do see Kermit and Piggy with two little babies, right? And then like growing old together. Yeah, yeah, that's very similar too. I wonder if somebody working on that production knew about this uh draft or this this pitch for the fantasy sequence and suggested using elements of it. We should write James Bobin and Nick Stoller a letter. I would love to, yeah. Let's have them on the podcast in a few years. I'd love to have those guys on the podcast, yeah. Yeah. It is interesting looking at what we got, though, and in other words, what they replaced that with, which was something which was still a love song and was still about their future together but had a lot more piggy in it, like a lot more of all the other stuff she was going to do as well as being the wife and mother, whereas this is flat out because there is a danger in focusing too much on the romantic drive that it then becomes like, that's the thing that she's there for because she's a female character and that's what she's interested in. And then it gets all unbalanced because Kermit wants to put on his show and if her main focus is to marry him as opposed to also to become famous and put on a show, then she becomes that really quite uncomfortable trope of the, you know, the the lusty lady chasing after the guy who's not interested, which they do fall into from time to time. Uh, yeah. Piggy. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's yeah. just so hard to write Piggy and get it right, just to strike that yeah. balance. Absolutely. And it, it doesn't help that she is often the only female, main female character in a narrative yeah. that is, let's yeah. face it, largely being written and performed by men. So, like, yeah. the tendency to right. accidentally fall into something akin to a drag act is right, you know, or just that cliches. It does happen. It's interesting to see them pull themselves back in a way. Uh, like I always laugh about the Matterhorn and <laughs> right. until the babies are online. But yeah, no, that's it is very interesting, especially considering where this film ends up. You know, there is that focus on them coming together at the end and all that. Yeah, isn't there? right. Yeah, which I, is what I she wonder. Wants. Yeah, hmm. and it's fine for her to want that. But yeah, it's that. Oh, but the fact of actually going into the wedding night and the hospital room, and I'm immediately going, yeah. this is too intimate. I this think, is yeah, yeah. It, it would be. It would be too much to see Kermit and Piggy's uh, honeymoon suite, I think. Honeymoon suite, yeah. I don't want any part of that. (laughs) Again, that thing of pitching a show, you can imagine, you can imagine, I don't know, perhaps because I've just come off, you know, very into WandaVision at the moment uh, in our family, speaking of Disney Plus, 
And a large part of that is satirizing the different eras of sitcom, family sitcoms in particular, and the right. way that they tell stories. And immediately thinking of like a bewitch style or I Love Lucy style 1960s sort of sitcom <laughs> done in the 80s. I mean, the 80s family sitcoms, you know, it's like you're your growing pains and family ties, only it's the Muppets. Can you imagine? Yeah, like, well, they I could totally have made that show. Like, it, it just, like, the, the frog and pig family and everyone else in the neighborhood is human. Yeah, that absolutely. Oh, you yeah. think everyone else is human? You don't think Fozzie and those guys are their neighbors? Oh, I guess that would be, that, that's what be you'd want to see. But but... Maybe you'd have the one human family in the street and everybody else. Yeah. Oh, that would be yeah, interesting. That'd be good. Yeah, there's one. It's definitely there's one. suburbia and like the kids. And now I'm thinking like a married with children type thing. It's like the kids would definitely have to be like teenagers. Maybe you have one mm. cute younger one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm wondering if they like pitched a bunch of TV shows and whichever one won. It's like, oh, it's Muppet Baby. So we'll go with that we'll version of that the script the movie. Uh, there was, I don't remember when this happened, but there was a pitch for an animated series called Muppet High where they would have been in high school. <gasps> oh I think that was God, several years amazing. after why, this, but yeah, that would have been Why have they never done that? I don't know. They, that, they still could. I was just thinking, just trying to figure, imagine them as teenagers and it just, I just like, why does that feel more weird to me than anything else? Yeah. And it's because it's the only era of their lives we haven't seen. We've seen them as like kids in the nursery. We've seen them like in this, the, the idea of their, they've been at college together. And I would also totally watch the college theatre club uh, Muppet show. I think that would be great. Oh, yeah, but yeah. the idea of them as teenagers just feels it's like they should be sort of, <laughs> they should either be adults or they should be children. I don't know why the idea of teenagers is really flipping me out, but I would absolutely sure. watch that. And it would be, it would be them putting on, it would be the, it'd be like Glee, but Muppets, right? It would be for them putting on shows. <laughs> Um, well, th- there yeah, was a there was a series of books in the early '90s called Muppet Kids, where right. they were like ten. They're like 10-ish. elementary school age. Oh. Yeah, and we have one of those. And Gonzo lives with his grandma, his aunt, and his cousin in it. Hmm. And wow, that, it weirds me out so much because they all look like Gonzo, and he's just like part of a happy Gonzo family. <laughs> and, oh, that's amazing. I'm just yeah. imagining the teenage Gonzo with his Letterman jacket and like just you know all the cheerleaders are chickens and sure yeah, <laughs> yeah. I read a couple I, of those think... Muppet Kids books and I remember thinking they didn't necessarily seem exactly like they needed to be the Muppets like you could just no, change the names in the book and it could yeah. just be any characters yeah um, they're not they're not funny at all right. I mean at all but it is. Uh, this thing of suddenly adding family context to characters that don't have that is always a bit disturbing, isn't it? It's like, you know, just that, yeah, the, the imaginary characters. And I think it often happened in the books where they'd suddenly get these extra characters or these extra support people and it was it was weird. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's like when cartoon characters family. always end up with nephews. Yeah. Like Mickey true. Mouse with his nephews, Morty and Ferdy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like the new DuckTales where actually they, they start seriously asking the question of what happened to Hue- Huey, Dewey and Louie's mother and oh, it yeah, becomes yeah. a major plot point Yeah, because, you know, this question had never seriously been addressed before. It's like there's always the nephews and nieces but not the actual parents of the nephews and nieces. Right. Well, and, of course, Kermit the Frog also has a nephew we should mention. Yeah, yeah, but we never... Who's not in this movie, but... No, we never hear about Robin's parents, do we? 
right? <laughs> I feel like Kermit like, has been asked that in an interview somewhere before, but I don't remember what his response was. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Um, well, and, yeah, I was and, also going to say, it's interesting that uh, in that script, it mentions Piggy standing there looking radiant with an hourglass figure. This being written by Frank Oz, who I, I think it's in Jim Henson, <laughs> the works, and maybe Anthony, you can correct me, but there's an anecdote about when the the Muppet creative uh, gang was looking at the first Miss Piggy calendars that were produced and just kind of flipping through the pages of her wearing these like glamorous clothes and in these poses. And Frank Oz said something like, my God, she's sexy. So I find <laughs> it interesting in yeah. Yeah, that yeah. the same guy who said that is now focusing on Piggy's radiance yeah. and hourglass figure. So I don't know. He he but might have a little thing for this character that he performs. Yeah. That is it's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> a little yeah. bit disturbing. <laughs> I think she's always had that maturity and glamour about her in a way that the male Muppets are often like apart from I guess maybe Gonzo who has the more active romantic life than anybody else mm, but yes. like the others are all just like often they could be any age and they could be kids but she's the one who's always thinking about like adult stuff like relationships and and it could again be because she's the girl but hmm. you know she's the one who's thinking about relationships and all the grown-up stuff like even just the fact that her fantasy doesn't include just include the honeymoon and having children, but it's specifically that routine, the being in the hospital and yeah, yeah, the cigars and all those little sort of life milestones. And like Kermit just wants to put his show on, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. He's got to sell the show. <laughs> He's got to sell the show. Like he doesn't want to be living in the suburbs. He's going to be living in some skanky little one room flat forever because he's an actor, honey. Like he's not going to settle down. <laughs> this is showbiz. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. There you go. And I think yeah. that that's a. I think that's a good note to end on for today. So, uh, Tansy, thank you so much for being here. As well, always, thank you for inviting me. It's always a good excuse to watch a bit of Muppets. Oh, I'm glad we can do that for you. Um, listeners, please check out toughpigs.com on the internet, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. You can email us at movingrightalong at toughpigs.com. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. And Tansy, remind our listeners where they can find you online. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tansy RR. You can also listen to me on the Verity podcast talking about Doctor Who. One of the, one of my favorites. Oh, uh, it's I, always I, nice to hear. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 why we knew to invite you on the show. You know, absolutely. That's how you found me. Right. Um, and thank you to Stacy Rosen for writing our theme music, and to Morgan Davy for designing our logo. And listeners. Please give us the most positive review you've ever written of a podcast. We would appreciate it. <laughs> Tell all your friends to listen to this show every week. We'll be back next week with another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Lovey-dovey. <laughs> <laughs>